Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I talk about how much the message changes between our preparation and the delivery of a sermon, and we close out our series in the book of Jonah. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, well, we're back. Episode number 41 in Armchair Preaching. Pastor John, welcome back. Good to be back. And uh, we're back to our kind of nor- a little bit more normal schedule. Ideally, we would record these on Tuesday. Last couple weeks... Uh, Crazy weeks. We had crazy lots of things weeks. happening right here. Yeah, lots of things. As everybody who listened to last week knows, Pastor Rebecca is here, and um, she was here in the armchair with us, um, and she'll be with us again um, after the October 31st mm-hmm. uh, week, because she'll be preaching for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this week, we, we finished off our series in Jonah which always presents um, a lot of unique unique opportunities um, as you're closing out a series. Um, and interestingly, we closed out the series in different places than we kind of built the series up. Yeah, we went uh, three weeks in one place, and the, the very last week we swapped. Yeah, yeah. So that, w- so that always inter- uh, is an interesting kind of thing. But I wanted to kick off today because um, I, I, I think – I don't think a lot of people think about this when they're hearing a preacher. You know, we, I'm sure they know that we prepare. (laughs) So we're, we're Presbyterians. We're not the just, Hey, let's get up, read the scripture and just let's talk off the top of our heads. So there's a lot of prep work that goes into it. We, we really do a lot of study. I think that comes through. Um, And you and I both are pretty well practiced before we get up. So the question I had was, you know, for you, how much does the message change from the last time you have to prep it on your own Mm -hmm. until you actually deliver on Sunday morning? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's people in the room. Right. And every prep there's, there's no people in the room. I don't know about you. I, I, I run ideally I will run through my message in total, front to back, between four and six times. Yeah. That's my ideal, right? Yeah. And so I'm always... And that's not counting the as you're developing the message. You, no. You're working out paragraphs or sentences, and I don't know how, you, how about you, but those are also spoken out loud and changed based on how it, what happens when, it's, when you speak it out loud. Yeah. So, no, I wouldn't I – might, I might write it that way, but I would never say it that way. So I need to change what I'm actually writing yeah. at that point. So, so there's – all that gets added to the yeah. verbal preparation. Yeah. So how much, how much do you feel it, it does change from that last time you've gone through yeah. it until Sunday morning? Like you got up in Vine this Sunday. Yeah. People in the room. Yeah, no, it it feels the first. I think the first place that I feel that difference is internally. Yeah, you know, because there is no substitution for people in the room. Yeah, and uh, be able to go look people in the eyes and just hear some of the the reactions, see the nodding heads. So internally, there's a shift that takes place where you know, and and you know, when you've done this enough, you're you are 
looking at the people. You're not just staring. Yeah. You're looking at the people and you're reading their reactions. And so mm-hmm. that, that has an effect uh, on you. And if, you know, if they're tuned out, uh, that's one thing. And you're happy, you're happy when you see that you're, there are the nodding heads. So, so part of it is, is um, having people in the room, which, is, which to sidebar is why the pandemic era, mm-hmm. the, the four months or so that we had with nobody in the room, yeah. and the challenge that we have currently with the, the Thursday recording for the classic service mm-hmm. with almost nobody in the room. And those yeah. who are in the room are behind you because it's the choir and the you know the musicians basically, and so there's a it's it is a world of, of difference on internally. Yeah. But then on top of that, you know, no matter how much you've prepared, how much no matter how much I've prepared, there will always be. We were kind of laughing about this with Dr. Gordon yeah. earlier, is that you know because we all go through these things three or four different times together. Yeah. And no matter how much you've done that before, something new comes out. Yeah. In, in the moment. Yeah. And it's usually this something. I, I feel like that's something that that the spirit gives gives to us in that moment. Yeah. Um, and I I can't tell me how many times that in the moment. That 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 thought that I had developed one way, I realized that no, there's another there's another level to go to kind of build that out yeah. right now, and yeah. you do it. You just get, you go with it right then and there. So it is a it is a significantly different experience, both from the internal experience of what you're what you're feeling as you're you're thinking about as you're giving it, and for what comes to you in the moment as you're trying to build out certain thoughts along the way. Yeah, and I, and I think what you're saying too that the the when you when you start to look at the people in the room, this is what makes it. Uh, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. What makes the preaching ministry fundamentally different than just public speaking and like you're, you know, a professional motivational speaker preaching to people that you or talking to people you don't know? When we get up there and we see people, we see stories, right? We we see, and so we start talking about certain brokenness. And then you lock eyes with somebody that you know is dealing with that specific brokenness. It it changes internally, yep. but also will sometimes shape. Well, maybe you said it this way when you were prepping it, or you know wrote it out this mm. way when you're yeah. prepping it. But now, you look, when you lock eyes with yeah, that person, there's a pastoral. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that you change what you – it doesn't mean that you back off of what you're going to say. Right. Because if you believe that it's truth and we believe that, that God is, you know, um, wor- is working in this moment, then we believe it needs to be said, but maybe it needs to be said differently, yeah. right? Or maybe it needs to be explained more different, you know, yeah. more more fully. Yeah, there is a nuancing that takes place. You're right. When you when you have – and this, is, by the way, is, is the difficulty of someone like uh, in Pastor Rebecca's situation yeah. when you don't really have those stories. And that's yeah. my situation from two years ago. I don't really have the, that backstory so I ha- I'm coming in with, without that and the advantage that someone like you has mm-hmm. when you've got when you can look someone in the eyes and you've been with them in the hospital room yeah. you've been with them when the baby was born so mm-hmm. but it is you do nuance it you're right it's a nuance well and I think that just what you just said too I also you know preparation for preaching is not just when you're sitting down with you know the open Bible and the commentaries and and typing it out on your computer we are prepping for the preached moment when we go to the hospitals, mm-hmm. or when we sit down in a counseling mm-hmm. moment, when we engage people in in the hallways at a ministry or out in the community and having lunch with people, all that God uses to inform what we're going to preach. And I don't know about you, I imagine this is so for you, even with all, all of those stories that you've just described, 
they're also going through our head as we're studying and as yeah. we're actually sitting down to prepare our notes and get get everything ready. So, you know, people asked me before, kind of laughing, said, did you write that sermon just, just for, for me? Just for me, yeah. And I, and I usually tell them, yes, you can just look at my notes and it has your name all the way <laughs> in. Right. You know, John, 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 John. <laughs> uh, which is not true, of course, but, but, but it, what is true is that we write our sermons with the congregation mm-hmm. who is not a generic you know, group of people. It's a group of individuals we know. Yeah. We, write, we write our sermons with a, with a group of con- people we know, yeah. and we know their stories in mind as we're writing it. Yeah. So, so it's a yes and no answer to that question. It is. You know, because it is. It, it is a, it's no, we're not necessarily, although I don't know about you, confession time. There are times <laughs> okay, where people do pop in your head as you're writing. And sometimes Sometimes that person is me, right? But in other times, it's, no, 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 the relationships that we have in the community do inform all that. So there's a yes and no kind of uh, part of that. That's why the the preaching ministry is so unique, Mm -hmm. uh, because we are are called to this congregation and to deliver you know i I've, I've said in this sermon series this 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 um you know in Jonah i've i've preached the sermon series 3 times but i did not go back and just replicate the same messages that i've done the temptation is there to do that because it makes it easier. That'd be a good topic for the future. Can, <laughs> right. can you go back and replicate a message? Yeah. Can you? How well does that? How does that work? How well does and, it translate? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't always translate. Yeah. And now I go back and I look at those messages and say, so, well, what did I do back then? And and you know, I may have used some uh, elements from those the sure, sermons the, because the, the, the study work, is still the same. Yeah, yeah, but the application points are very different. Um, the illustrative points are very different. Um, some things that I had not done in previous sermons, I, I chose to pull out in these sermons because this congregation is different. Even even when we preached this series six years ago, I mean, we preached a series on Jonah five, six years ago, I looked back and, and thought, man, this is just, it's a different congregation than it was even five or six years ago. Some people are the same, mm-hmm. but the context has been transformed to well, some extent. And what we're talking about, one of my preaching professors wrote a book on... Um, and the, the the theme of the book was exegeting your congregation, yeah. which is to say everything we're saying now. Yeah. You know, you make sure you understand who who the congregation is, what their sort of makeup is, where if you kind of had find that midpoint, where are they thinking about things? Yeah. Where are they experiencing things? Where's their hardship? Where's their brokenness? And where are the successes? Where are the victories? And you that's that's the congregation God gives to you, and yeah. have them firmly in mind as you prepare your message. Yeah, and, and 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 I think you have to. I mean, we have to. It's mm-hmm. contextual ministry, and you know that's when we come into the end of a series like this. You know, we've been in Jonah for for th- I don't know about you. I, I've it's been interesting and and enjoyable for me to go back in through the book of Jonah. I think I've read through the entire book of Jonah because it's only four chapters. I don't know how many times now over the last four weeks because you build it out. So I wonder when you were approaching this, the end of the series, kind of unique because you had built out for three weeks in classic classic, and then finishing it out in Vine, kind of wonder what was, um, you know, what was the key concern for you as you're closing out I mean, this could be for any series, but specifically for mm-hmm. Jonah. What was the key concern you were wanting to make sure people got, not just in this week's message, but overall, you yeah. know? Because this is, is the, this is, this is you know, Jonah 4, it's really, it's very unique 
from the other three three chapters for yeah. sure because there's all this conversation with between God and Jonah back and forth. And so, what was your key concern there? Well, I was thinking about this the other day, and this maybe again another future topic or maybe future for what we do and emphasize in a in a series. Um, it's such a narrative. You know, dramatic telling with lots of surprises, narrative yeah. story, and I wanted this. This was our last chance, and so my last chance um, to make sure we buttoned up the the narrative and we we got it whole. Yeah. And I, I, I even referenced the. I mean, you started out by by giving the backstory. You kind of walked us through the events, and mm-hmm. I start. I I've started out with the, um, the fish, which is the big the whale, which most yeah. people think of. That's the big moment, but there's a bigger story here. And I walked everybody through that story here. So my one of the overarching concern was to, was to make sure that that I left the congregation with. Um, that they could walk away from this series if they've been here all four weeks, or even if they were just here for th- for this week, because mm-hmm. we had our friends came in from Texas and mm-hmm. Philadelphia and other places, and they were in the room at the time. If they just came in for this week, that they would walk away saying, "I know, th- I understand the basic storyline of the prophet Jonah." Yeah, and it's not about a big fish, and it's not about the big fish. Yeah, it's, it's not. That's a part of the story, but it's not. Yeah. The, it's certainly not the main part of the story. Yeah, that's the part that we think of because it's the miraculous part. It's the. It's it's the. And I was going to bring it in today, and I forgot to do it. But you know, my son has a. When I preached Jonah the very first time, and uh, I, I was looking it up, like you know what, how people think of the story of Jonah, and sure enough, some you know some Christian manufacturer creates. Uh, a stuffed um, Jonah whale, a Jonah whale <laughs> okay. that you can actually put Jonah in the belly in the of the, and then zip it up. And my, <laughs> and we were cleaning out my son's room the other day, and and Jules picked it up, and she goes, "Yeah, he still has it," you know. And, oh, yeah. and uh, but uh, and got, I almost, got I'm, a lot of Christian marketing. I know, and I almost brought it in because uh, uh, because that's we think of that as the climactic moment. I mean, yeah. a lot or a lot of people when they think of Jonah, that's the climax, but it's not the climactic moment right. because the the purpose of Jonah is really to get the people of God to think through their prejudices regarding the grace of God and thinking through their particular, um, you know, their their ideas that they were the yeah. supposed to be the exclusive recipients of God's yeah. grace. And you really painted the picture um, – with the idea of the you know the 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 Cold War view of communists, and I thought that was a great because anybody that was born I don't know before I was trying to 19, think about why nineteen eighty I was I was trying to think about what that age is where the Cold War really had an impact because I, I I was born in eighty so I remember all through the Reagan era the 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 great evil of of Red Russia I mean that was uh, but. So but you really were, anywhere from the from from the from the fifties to the eighties, yeah. and born any any time in that range, which would be you know pretty much a lot of our congregation anyway. Yeah. You would have had that 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 background, and the good these are good guys versus bad guys. Which, by the way, I had uh, last week. You began by talking about the do overs, yeah, and I was this close from from bringing in when we played those games as kids. Yeah. We would start fighting about I shot you, no, I didn't shoot you. Yes, you yeah. did. No, I didn't. Do over. Yeah. We would do the do over. So, but you know that that was one of my. I'll go ahead and give you that was one of my editing room floors. Yeah. I was, I, it's it's too much effort to, and too distracting, but yeah. it was a neat little tie-in. Yeah. Those were all do-overs. But yeah, the, the good guys versus the bad guys is a, is a clear clear theme. And I think gospel, maybe that's the other part of this, is that is that you know in the story of Jonah, 
is the gospel of oh, Jesus Christ. Of course, yeah. And you hit it at the end. Yeah. I hit it at the end. It's funny. We both ended our, ended our messages by by making sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mm-hmm. grace of God in Jesus Christ that brings redemption and salvation to, the, to this world and to individuals of this world, we both hit it at, mm-hmm. at, at the end of our sermons this week. Yeah, because if you don't do that, I mean, you really miss the the application point for the New Testament church. And Jonah is, is such a rich text to be able to point back to the New Testament believers and help us kind of analyze our own prejudices. Mm-hmm. And you really kind of honed in on, and it was funny because we we both honed in on those prejudices, but from different angles, right? Yeah. So you yeah. really hit it from the, you know, the violent sin offender almost to that extent, like like the bad guys. And I took it from the wrong sorts of people, yeah, which ta- is... Tattoos and, yeah. and wrong, you know, uh, dress yeah. wrong, and they, you know... Uh, they, they're just not people like us. Yeah, and so it's it's two sides of prejudice that we really have, but 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 really it's about we want to try to control who gets the grace of God, and I think that's um I think that's uh, that's the real big concern. So what were some of the things that you look at because you know Jonah four, um, I mean outside of outside of you know the 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 swallowing of Jonah, Jonah four is really an odd. Chapter. Yeah, I like how we both talked about how strange. I mean, there's a lot of weird of stuff. Was. I mean, nobody ever talks about like. I mean, we and neither one of us talked about well, what kind of worm was this. Yeah. I mean, I you got the plant. In I there. brushed over it real quickly. I mean, yeah. I had more on that that I decided not to to do because I'm like, well, what really is the point of that? Yeah. I mean, we. It's funny how much ink is 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 spent. In commentaries on what kind of plant that yep. was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I did the same thing you did, and you even said it in your sermon. It's like that's that's interesting, and it would be really interesting to see, you know, uh, what, what kind of uh, plant and worm and what this backstory of the scorching heat was. But those are not r- really germane to the entire. Yeah, we're, we're, the point of this this chapter is not that. That's just fun to fun to think about. Uh, what's what's key is the supernatural spread mm-hmm. of the of the plant, and then the 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 supernatural. You know, the provision of the worm to cause it to die as quickly as it grew was that was that was God's timing entirely. God provided provided, and God took away in this what Jonah did with that. Yeah, yeah, because he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't doing very well. Yeah, <laughs> I was happy with it. He was. He was happy with the the the, the coverage and the and the and the and the, uh, the the shade. But as soon as you took it away, he's he's ready to die again. Yeah. And Jonah is. I mean, really. I mean, it would be so interesting. And and I know that there are commentaries that talk about it. But you know, the the psychological kind of frame of mind Jonah is in. I mean, twice he he. I mean. He, he would be Baker acted if he was, you know, <laughs> today. Because yeah. twice he he's talk he's making suicidal remarks. Yeah, uh, if he would have given details of how he's going to c- carry out the suicide, they would have Baker acted. I know him. we were right on the cusp of, of picking up the phone and calling on his behalf. So it's just yeah. a, there's just a lot of interesting stuff that goes on. Right, there. I got to ask you this then: Did, did was there any part of you? Because this is the this is the prophet. Jonah, yeah. the prophet of God, Jonah. You referenced the Second Kings language where there was a positive, mm-hmm. you know, view of Jonah. Where Very the, similar situation, too, by the way. Yeah. So, there's, so there's compassion that he mm-hmm. that he's showing, but, but it's compassion for the right people, That's right. not the wrong wrong people. Was there a part of you that felt um, how strange, like how strange is this that we're throwing the prophet of God under the bus? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, think it's, it really it's all is. there, but it's you know, I, I was like, okay, Lord, I, I'm 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 seeing what's in this text here, but I'm a little uncomfortable throwing your prophet under the bus. Well, you know, for me, and I, I mentioned it, I think week one in Vine, but not didn't go into it very deeply because in in Vine I had mentioned that Second Kings fourteen passage, just as a, but because the prophets of God, I mean, their primary job. It was, was typically to deliver bad news, mm-hmm. right? Jonah is the the rare exception where the people had no business getting good news, and Jonah gets to deliver good news. Um, the Israelites are spared; their their borders are actually strengthened, even though their king is wicked. Even though they are engaging in a lot of wicked activity, previewing the the coming exile from the Assyrians. But so Jonah has this this. He's, a, he's an outlier amongst the prophets in terms of what message he delivers. Now, the message in Second Kings is not recorded for us, but just that he delivered that, mm-hmm. that message. And so, yeah, it is strange when you fast forward to assuming that Jonah is written after that, that, that incident in Second Kings 14. It is weird because, I mean, we venerate. The prophets. the prophets. I mean, we venerate Ezekiel and, and Isaiah. I mean, but... But we leave, we leave off with Jonah, and yeah. he's angry and depressed. Yeah, yeah. And yet, I mean, one of the things, we, we, we've mentioned this in previous sermons, but we neither one of us hit on this, and it's just now occurring to me. But how strange is it that jo- at the end of Jonah 4, there's no positive, you know, Jonah does not follow suit with the Ninevites and repent himself. We don't get any of that. And yet, isn't it interesting that Jesus goes back and and points to Jonah, the sign of Jonah. Yeah. And he points to the, the belly of the fish, obviously, but it's just, that's an to me, that's an interesting, you know, tie-in that, that Jesus uses Jonah typologically for himself when there's such failure there. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think, it's not biblical, but I'd like to think that um, uh, the, the last words of God reasoning with Jonah, should he not be compassionate on these 120,000 mm-hmm. people who don't know the left from the right, uh, hit its mark. Yes. And that Jonah, and that Jonah the, the ne- where they were to record the next words, and Jonah relaxed, yeah. and Jonah was happy again. <laughs> and Jonah celebrated. And the, he celebrated, the, the, yeah. The I'd life like to of, think that that's my yeah. version of the, the, uh, the, 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 the final uh, few verses of Jonah. Well, and, and the funny thing, too, is like, you know, so... We know that at least you know one of the instances where Jesus uses that that sign of Jonah is in the book of Matthew, right? Mm-hmm. So in Matthew's gospel, one of the the big keys for for Matthew theologically is to present Jesus as the typological perfection of of the people of God in Israel, mm-hmm. right? So wherever they failed, Jesus succeeds, and so. If Jonah failed, then Jesus succeeds. Well, if Jonah does succeed, then Jesus is just the out is continuing the outgrowth of that that success. And I, I just uh, you know I find I find it so fascinating. I do so I find that so fascinating. So we've touched on it a little bit about some of the things that that we cut. Were there were there other things that you're just like, okay, let's give it two more weeks of the series. Let's let's, yeah, let's break yeah. this down. Well, we talked. Yeah, we did talk about that. I think the the biggest thing for me was staring at that weird section with the plant and the worm and the scorching heat, and just asking the question, okay, how far do I go with it's that? Zooming through it because it's yeah. not really the point. Yeah, and I and we both we both yeah. had our own version of that. We just we just said a few things and got, and yeah. moved on. So yeah. that's probably the biggest one this week. That's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Well, and it, 
I think we both talked really honed in on really what that's all about is the sovereignty of God. That God's in control of the plant, the heat, the worm. He's been in control this entire time. And so, Jonah, stop trying to have control over this situation. And you brought out Exodus 19 to, yeah. to, to emphasize the sovereignty of God. I brought out Jeremiah 18. Is it also interesting that we both chose to say, let's illustrate the idea that this the, the, the sovereign God can do whatever a sovereign God wants to do. Yeah. And we just chose different places to cross-reference that. Did you? So one of the things I, I wrestle with in this is. And I and I ultimately, you know, you have to choose not to go there because it just gets way too complicated. But, you know, Jonah, um, the the rationale he gives for why he ran in the first place in Jonah four, he talks about this is why I, this is why I ran back when I was in my own country, was you know using this this the co- char- character of God, the covenantal formula, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the 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 covenantal formula. Um, of of abound of slow to anger, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I you know I struggle with that with that that last phrase steadfast love. That's a that's a, a technical term, right? In the Hebrew, it's that word hesed, which is over and over and over again applied. The loving kindness of God. Yeah, and it's specifically applied to the covenant people, right? It's specifically applied to Israel and Judah, right? But here, and he's saying, I know you're this type of God. Yeah. These, this quality, this quality, this quality, including that chesed. And but here he's applying it. And I'm, I was afraid you're yeah. going to show it to people, to the, well, back to this, to the wrong people. Yeah, to violent people, to bad people, right? Yeah. So, it's, so when you look at that, they're, they're, for me, I, I was like, well, yes, for the Hebrew people, that would be absolutely abhorrent. But what God is also doing is pointing to this idea that the covenant love of God is going to be available to all nations, or is available to all nations, especially through Jesus Christ. So in a prophetic way, Jonah is still acting the prophet, even though he doesn't know it, right? So he's he's projecting for the in Jesus Christ, all people are going to enjoy right, the steadfast right. love of God, this Hesed love you do of God. Get, you do get in throughout the Old Testament. You do get these sort of shots over the bow of the 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 overall movement of the of the faith is outward. Yeah. Uh, somebody once described it as as centrip, tri, centripetal. Yeah. Centripetal is that force that moves away Pushes from the away, center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, what you see in the in the old covenant is a very centrifugal, yeah, centrifugal, pulling so this, it, this pulling, pulling inward. But Jonah is a great example to your point of of the you know look. They should not be getting this grace. Yeah. So it, and and it, now it's being given. All those qualities of who God is are going to be given to that to those people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it didn't last. Didn't last. Yeah. Didn't la- but it's still that that group yeah. of people who at that time of Jonah they were the recipients of it, and that is again another typology, another fore, mm-hmm. foreshadowing of what's to come. Yeah. Yeah. You ended really, I thought, with a real strong, and I think. Um, almost a gut-wrenching application point to some extent mm. talking about what if what if the grace of God is extended and then you started these terrible people these terrible people and you you know you mentioned some that you know we're f- fairly certain where their eternal destiny is because they were not people of faith but right. then you pull out Jeffrey Dahmer yeah and i mean i being a child of the 80s and, and remember, you remember that I, that was I talk about the serial killers that are imprinted it's Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy I mean in my head um, you know so what what do you think about when you're really pushing those sorts of truths out there because that's a truth right 
that I think we would both agree is a really tough one for people to swallow. I, I even saw in the room when I said that's tough for many people to to accept. I saw nodding a handful of nodding heads out there that and at saying yes, that is tough for us to accept. And I sometimes sometimes extreme helps make up uh, an important point. Yeah. And so this was a choice of using an extreme example to make an important point about the truth of God, and that is that you know none. N- n- Yes, it was horrible. Yeah. It, was, it was horrific. Yeah. You, you were, you, you know, if you, mm-hmm. you you remember the stories, it was horrific. But if it's true what that pastor said, mm-hmm. and if Dahmer had that change of heart, um, th- that's also tremendously powerful. Yeah, it is. It is unbelievably powerful. And and a, and and a mature and a a young and immature Christian would have a real struggle to accept that that is that that is so that that that. Kind of grace could be offered yeah. to another person, yeah. um, but a mature Christian, mm-hmm. which, by the way, this is another piece that, of the this past week that I think was really cool, is that people struggle to for the as you were talking about that the wrong people uh, got the got the grace of God. Mm-hmm. People struggle with that. There's a lot of mature Christians in this church, yeah. And I think a lot of people, once we sort of broke it down, once you get past that shock of mm-hmm. uh, a serial killer kind of shock, or even if you get past the yeah the tattooed person or the yeah. or that wrong well, whoever the wrong person means to them, there's a lot of maturity in this church that says that, that understands that no, by God's grace, those people too. Yeah. And yeah. they've heard the stories, and they've lived it, and they believe it, and they and they're 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 good with it. So yeah. I think that I think that that people would be if I were that the pastor for. For Jeffrey Dahmer and I told our congregation that I think there would be people in this church who would, who would cheer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not what he did, not the justice that needed to be done. Yeah, uh, all of that it needs to be t- accounted for, but just that that another another terrific sinner. Yeah, was was saved by a terrific God. And I think we, I think I think even mature believers struggle with some of those examples too. I think because we tend to grade sins. We do, you know, absolutely, and yeah, you're from, right. Even the even the mature Christians say that. You know, there's yeah. a difference between someone who um, you know steals something from from yeah. you know, some, from from work and somebody who you know um, commits adultery. Well, and I I know because like in agape in in the Bible study that I teach on Sunday morning. For those that don't know, you know, I teach one at nine fifteen. But those are all believers that have been in the church, I mean, longer than I've been alive, most of them. And and when we come around to some of these sorts of topics, um, even the extreme examples in the Bible, I mean, because there's some extreme examples in the Bible, which we've mentioned here on the podcast before, they're like, well, wait a minute. Um, are you saying that that murderer in the Bible is like, afforded the same, you know, not even afforded the same grace, but that my sin over here is on the same level as that? I'm like, well, let's look, then we go in and say, well, let's look at what the Bible talks about or how the Bible refers to things like, I don't know, say gossip. And then you start going through the condemnation that is just laid out against gossipers, which is the bane of the Christian church in America, right? I mean, so many churches have been torn apart by the sin of gossip, but Oh, that's just the you know. We just kind of put that's it aside. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We're just yeah. we're just sharing, you know. Especially when we couch uh, it in the let's pray for this person, oh, and we start yeah. to to do it. But 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 or, or I don't really know what's going on over there, 
So rather than finding out what's going on over there, I'll make up a version of reality and, and start talking about that version of reality. Exactly. Which has nothing to, to do with it. And you're not part of the solution anyways, mm-hmm. which means be quiet. So yeah. you're right. I mean, I, it is a big issue. And, the, and the, the Bible's treatment of gossip is extreme by our definition, by our standards. But I think that's when we start. We have to sometimes be shocked into the reality of how 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 really deadly our own sinfulness is and how much we need the grace yeah. of God. I think total depravity is a hard concept for, for many people to grasp. Of course, that, yeah. that our, our own sin uh, merited d- uh, distance and separation from God mm-hmm. and only, only by God's grace. And we're like, well, well, my sin was just gossiping. I mean, my sin was mm-hmm. just this. And I wasn't the Ted Bundy and I wasn't the, you know, Larry Nasser uh, yeah. kind of kind of people. I was, I just did this thing here. Yeah, but that deserves punishment. And I it's, think, and I think, I think we've talked about this before because of the victims of the, the hateful crimes, but then we don't see the victimization of, you know, the spiritual stuff that's happening with things like gossip and dissension and, and being, you know, sinfully angry and bitter. We don't think about the spiritual yeah. victim that, that's, that's taking place there. I think and I think that's, the, the fair part of it, too, is that, is that the, the issue of justice in this world, like civil and criminal justice in this mm-hmm. world, gets brought into this, and, and y- you really can't bring that into this, you know, because nobody's going to disagree that justice must be done. That kind of justice must be done. And that's very key. Like, no one is saying, because, and even, even, even in God's grace, I mean, even in God's grace, there's still, still temporal justice that, and punishment that that's meted you know meted out against those. I mean, you last week you talked about Psalm fifty one. Yeah. You know, and David is in that moment a murderer and an adulterer. There's just not a way to paint it any other way. In in light of what has happened um, in his life with Bathsheba and Uriah, and 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 God gives him grace. I mean, He doesn't even take him off the throne. But at the same time. There's this temporal justice where violence is a constant companion of David throughout the rest, of, even to the point where his own son tries to depose him mm-hmm. violently. Mm-hmm. So there's still this temporal justice. There's still this. And that's the thing we have to keep saying is that nobody's saying, nobody's denying yeah. the, the importance of that. We're just saying that in the, in, in the in, in divine realm. The eternal realm, yeah. In the eternal realm, that that sin stacked up next to my sin, mm-hmm. it, it, it both disqualify me mm-hmm. in and of themselves, yeah. and only by the grace of God. You know, the way I talked about it on Sunday is that, that both of that, them nailed to the cross. Je- Jeffrey Dahmer's sin was nailed to the cross right next to mine. Yeah, yeah. Again, and, again, like you said, we don't, we weren't there. But if the pastor's right and Dahmer really does have a, a had a genuine profession of faith, that is, that is as true as anything else. And that I, this I, did, I left this out because I was kind of wrapping it up at the time. But I, I remember thinking that. Um, that ought to that ought to make people who've been living a pretty hard life and a terrible life feel feel encouraged. Yeah, the, the gospel is good news for that very reason. Yeah. Is that if you've been living that hard life, you've been living for yourself. If you've been living sinful patterns of life, grace is if grace if grace can be shown to to someone like the uh, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. who who can't 
receive that. Oh, that's Who, right. Who's disqualified? No, no one. I mean, you, it's just really where your heart is, and do you have that change? Do you recognize the God? Do you repent of those things? And have you accepted that? Yeah, yeah, and very important stuff. And so that closes the the the, the that's book a wrap. on Jonah um, for right now. I mean, who knows? Till next pro- time. Till next time we do it. But this week start a brand new series called Serving Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a it's the fourth uh, part. It's a f- the fourth in a series that has going been going throughout the year, right. chronicling some of the the big topics in uh, the book called Discipleship Essentials. So we're gonna have six weeks of that. You're back in Vine this week. Back in Vine this week. I'm in classic. You're in classic. And so, talking about the church this week. Yeah, talking about the church, and uh, it's gonna be a, a, a great great Sunday. Encourage everybody if you haven't heard this week's message or any of the the messages in the past, check out our website fbclakeland.org. Um, click on the sermon archive. You can watch or listen to either one of them um the whole service is in their entirety or just the messages and uh if you've missed any one of our podcasts i encourage you go back apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher soundcloud or our website um click subscribe and uh give us a like and share it with your friends because it's a great way to deepen your understanding of what we've preached each and every Sunday. It's always enjoyable. Thank you, John, for uh, joining me once again. Thanks once again for putting this together. Uh, My pleasure. And until next time, uh, everyone have a great week.